my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show, brought to you live and direct from the CIPD HR Conference for 2021. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm not there. Like, you guys in your cannot home, see. In your hometown. In your hometown. In my really. hometown. In my hometown. Every year. I'm so upset that I'm not, here, not there this year, but it is what it is. I'll be back next year. So today we are talking HR tech, and we're talking about the importance of understanding happiness in the workplace. So I am joined by the amazing Matt Phelan, who is the founder of the Happiness Index. So Matt, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good, Julie. I was um, I was just reflecting. Julie and I were chatting off air that because um, Julie was missing being in Manchester. Yes. And I said it's not it's not the con- the content's great here. Um, but to answer my question, I'm feeling good because it's just great conversations with seeing people in real life. Like it's been great to meet you, Julie, virtually. Um, and I'm a massive advocate for the hybrid working, flexible working. But there is something about seeing people in real life. And yes. Just so I can see two people out of my periphery having a hug. And <laughs> there's, something, something, there's something about seeing people like, yes. in real life. That is just beautiful, isn't it? And it is. So yeah, I'm, 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 I feel topped up from all these relationships. Yeah, it's such a shame that that um, we've had to spend so much time apart. But it's a good thing as we start to come back together. Um, yeah. So I can still see like lots of social distancing as you shared that video just now. Um, yeah. You know what you're experiencing. So hopefully yeah. next year we can get more people. So Matt, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We um, we're going for a big uh, global expansion at the Happiness Index at the moment. So I'm slightly tired because I'm working uh, Indian hours and South American hours. So we're doing a lot of work in India at the moment and a lot of yeah. work in South America. Okay. So that's probably why I look terrible. But um, but I I you know obviously we talk about purpose and purpose comes up in the Happiness Index data a lot. I because I feel like. I I have a purpose of what I do. I've got I, that that energizes me. Yeah. Um, not sustainable to work the hours that I am at the moment, but I am enjoying it. So yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Julie. Wonderful. So for our audience who may possibly be new to the Happiness Index, will you introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and tell us like what is the Happiness Index and what does it do? Yeah. So I suppose if we think back, so if we a bit of a let's go through the history. The, the person who um coined employee engagement in 1990 was Bill Kahn yes and um, if you think about employee engagement it sort of started out as paper surveys and then about five six seven years ago some really smart companies came along and then they put that online and then you get all these sort of like employee engagement tech companies Um, and that was a step forward but the problem with a lot of, of of that stuff is 
you can often find a lot of employees that are highly engaged, but they're also unhappy. Yeah. So we were trying to understand why is that? Like, why is engagement not giving the full picture? And what we found um, from the data and the neuroscience and our research is that we have these things, Julie, called emotions. And work and life has kind of taught us that they're unprofessional. Yes. What we found for our research yeah. is it's our actual emotions that, that, are, that are what make us human beings and what make us so amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but people have sort of ended up labeling them as negative. Yes. So to give an example, most of my, all the emotions that we experience are instinctive responses. The behavior that we take off that emotion is, is sometimes the bad thing. So if you're listening and let's say you're, you're some, you, let's say someone in the workforce, if someone, one of your colleagues responds to you in a negative way and you emotionally feel scared of them, there's no, there is nothing wrong with that emotion. That is totally normal. normal. Mm-hmm. If you then, if you then, um, if you then go and like, like do something to them that's illegal, that's illegal. And that's what gets labeled as like too emotional, which yes. I've been labeled before. Um, that's a different thing, mm-hmm. but experience every emotion from distaste to anger, um, to happiness, to unhappiness, they are all emotions that can teach us stuff about what's going on and what the happiness index does is helps business understand those emotions so they can uh, what we call emotional intelligence at scale so we what it says on the tin is we're at an employee engagement and happiness platform Mm -hmm. and we're bringing emotions into that data so we cover a lot of emotional data which can be um super interesting and what we think it does with our customers is it helps them make better decisions Mm -hmm. Um, so in a nutshell, that's what, that's what we do. We're a platform. You can log in, you can understand how your people are feeling. Yes. And I love the fact that you also are not just, um, that there's a mobile application to it. So like, even as you leave work or as you're moving around, you can use this application, um, very freely and very easily, and it can be used across organizations. So if your organization is spanned out between Europe and North America, you can yeah. get that data in real time. So just give us a little snippet of like what the platform looks like and what engaging in that with the happiness index looks like. So the, so the, the main differentiator, the first thing you'll see is you'll see happiness and engagement split, split out. The second difference that you will see, so at the moment, globally, we're seeing engagements about average right. across the world, but happiness is below average. Right. Um, and guess what? We have this thing called the great resignation going on. So what that helps you understand is it's probably a happiness issue, not an engagement issue. Whereas right. in the past, you might look at it and go, this is an engagement issue. You plow your resources into engagement and still the problem is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people um, have re- re-evaluated their lives. Um, and, that, and once you understand why people are unhappy, you can actually change things to help retain people. Yes. Um, the second thing that you will notice in the platform that's different is that it's tagged with neuroscience. So one of the biggest HR challenges is that data sits in silos. Yes. So you might have people in your exit surveys telling you that you've got a bullying culture. Um, but by the time someone's left, although that's useful information, it's almost too late yeah. to find out you've got a bullying culture. Exactly. Um, so we've coded the platform. Uh, we've trained our, 
our machine learning and AI with neuroscience. What that, what that means about the buzzwords is that if you, for example, found out that well-being was an issue, you could click on well-being and you could see where that is, where that is a problem across the employee experience. Because sometimes stuff comes up in one area like bullying yes. in, the, in the exit survey, but then that won't have just occurred. It's not like someone gets bullied on their last day. Exactly. That could be it's been happening over time. Yeah. And then you can click on it and then the AI runs and it shows you across the work the experience, the, the employee experience where that may be. Then it starts to maybe go, oh, it's in this area or in this team or it's more in that country or it's more in this department. And as again, like Julie, have you heard the, um, the saying, if you can measure it, you can manage it? Yes. I hate that saying. Mm. <laughs> and the reason I hate, the reason I hate that saying is because I think it's really wrong. I think for me, and I'm a data person who's into measurement, I think it should be, and it's not as, it doesn't sound as good. This is the problem. You need, it needs to yeah. sound snappy, doesn't it? I think it should be, um, if you can measure it, you can better understand it. If you can better understand it, you can make better decisions. Yes. Which is not as snappy as if you can manage it, measure it, you can manage it. Yes. Um, but I think it's way more accurate. And yes. I think that's, that's what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get, get more data. Just like uh, the best example I could use, um, and, I, and you're, you're dialing in from Barbados, um, how valuable a weather report is. Mm-hmm. Now, we know at some point, um, some point in the year there's hurricane season and bad weather and all this kind of stuff. Yes. Just think 200 years ago, that information wasn't available. Now you start to be able to get weather reports that can help you make better decisions about whether you, whether you move uh-huh. away whilst hurricane season's happening or whether you need to batten down the hatches. Yeah. So you can make that intelligence. Decisions. Yeah. So I see emotional data like weather data. Uh-huh. Um, it's not there to manage because you can't manage a hurricane right uh, how much you want to manage, manage a hurricane you can't but you Cannot. can make better decisions. you can make better decisions on on how you plan your life and, and and that's that's the same with emotional data within business nice so i love that analogy and i love that explanation because you really want to be able to make better decisions and for me honestly i never thought about making the separation between engagement and happiness but as you've explained it i do recognize that it is important because even though employees are engaged it does not mean that they're happy totally and being able to kind of like filter down and figure out well how do I support my employees so that they can be happy and engaged because they deserve yeah. that um, really yeah. makes sense to me. So and Julie, let's, let's draw out for you what happens in the extreme examples. So if you are unhappy and unengaged, mm-hmm. your body um, goes into survival mode, fight or yes. flight. Yeah. If, and this is one thing that is, I need to call out as the happiness index. If you are happy but not engaged, as an employee, you'll be unfocused. Mm-hmm. So actually, um, just happiness on its own isn't, isn't any good. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, if you, and this is what, where a lot of companies are, if you are engaged but not happy, what you'll often have is a competitive culture. And sometimes people mistake a competitive culture for a thriving culture. Yeah where you might have a team of five salespeople that are competing against each other rather than thinking about like, what is the best way to achieve the total sales number? Yeah. So the reason I wanted to pull that out is we want happy and engaged, which equals thriving culture. Exactly. But 
even as the happiness index, just happiness on its own is not uh, not it's enough. Not, Both have yeah. to work together. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm grateful that the happiness in this index exists. And I wish you guys every success as you continue to continue to build it out. So can you tell our audience like how they can interact with the happiness index? Before Um, I do that, Julie, can uh, I ask you a question? Sure. What makes you happy? Oh, lots of things make me happy. Um, The color pink. (laughs) Yeah. Um, silence like quiet time for myself especially like when the children are keeping a lot of noise like I love quiet time I cherish my quiet time Um, spending time with my mom those are things yeah all of those are things that make me happy like so I did that because I was interested Julie but also obviously you were going to ask me about how people get in touch with the happiness index yes so I want that to happen, right? But also I'm a terrible salesperson. So the reason I asked you is when you ask someone what makes them happy, they all do the same thing. Everyone smiles like you did. Uh-huh. And everyone, everyone looks up like that. Yeah. So I want, I want all the HR people on here to go to the happinessindex.com and book a demo, right? That's what I want. Yeah. But you don't need the happiness index to do what me and you just did. Uh-huh. And I just, all, all I want to make the point is, I want to make this as a HR tech owner. Yes. HR tech does not replace good human being leadership management colleague friendship all that kind of stuff all the stuff that the happiness index does right we can help you do that at scale yeah but you don't you don't need to you don't need to pay me you don't need to pay me to do that so obviously when you get up to over like 100 employees and stuff like a platform like the happiness index is great yeah but i just i just wanted to do that to get to know you but to let your let your people know that you can use all our research and never spend a pack a penny with us there you go and and the research is sound and it's amazing i've shared quite a bit of it in the background over the last couple years so i really do um appreciate what you do matt it's amazing and and thank you so much for bringing that to the fore because i think also as hr people it really is important to recognize that you need to make that connection and that it's a simple thing there's an easy and humane way to do it that doesn't involve doesn't involve tech so thank you so much for sharing that well i gotta ask you like what makes you happy matt (laughs) Uh, well this leads into what i was going to offer for your audience because i've I've written a book called freedom to be happy Uh Um, the first 10 people that message julie um we're going to send the copy to so send julie an address that you want it sent to and we'll send it to you for free but but the clue is in the name of my book freedom to be happy um freedom is one of the top eight things that comes out globally um but, and it changes from person to person and, and there's a longer list but for me freedom in all my relationships like uh, my my co-founders my colleagues my partner my family like i need to come to something freely i came on this podcast because you kindly invited me if you told me to come on it i wouldn't have come on it yeah <laughs> that's just how i am like freedom is massive for me yeah uh, and that's probably why I'm an entrepreneur and all this kind of stuff. And, and freedom is important for everyone. Absolutely. But for example, like some people, clarity is more important, like in their role. I'll give you a, a North American example. Um, in, um, so across the world, the number one factor for happiness is relationships. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that in yours, Julie, with your mother. Yeah. Um, that, that's the same in every country. In, um, in Canada, it's acknowledgement. In the USA, it's clarity is the second one so um 
what that is massive to understand is sometimes people lump Canada and USA together and they're uh-huh. like, oh, they're, it's North America. Totally different. Yeah. Um, it's probably it's probably linked to healthcare, isn't it? Because in America, if you haven't got clarity on your job description and your job yeah. role and you lose your job, yeah. and your children don't get their healthcare. Healthcare is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Not good news. Whereas nope. in, I don't know the system in Canada, but it's probably slightly different. Yeah. Um, which means that it's a bit like the Maslow hierarchy of needs. It means acknowledgement can go a bit higher up in the can- Canadian um, bit. So it's a long-winded answer of saying freedom. I, I'm freedom. such a geek, Julie. I like to give data, get the data in yes. there all the time. <laughs> I, understand, I totally understand it, and I definitely appreciate it. But thanks for sharing that. So tell us, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience will benefit from? I think, Julie, um, I'm going to give a, a bit of a random one here. Okay. It's not, it's not what I'm reading. It's what I'm not reading. <laughs> okay. Which is, I've just got back from Amsterdam uh-huh. and I didn't bring my phone or my laptop with me. Mm. And there was no way that anyone could contact me. Um, so what am I trying to do more of um, is less. Okay. So what all I would say is, that I'm intentionally, um, I'm going higher quality in what I'm reading uh-huh. and less of it. Uh, and I'm only sharing that. So I, my little nugget that I want to encourage as many people to do is turn their phone off as much as they can yeah. and just go and reconnect with your friends, with your nature, uh-huh. all that kind of stuff. If you go away with what your best friend for two days and you both leave your phones away, leave yeah. it. It will sound scary, but I guarantee you, you'll feel much stronger. It is definitely doable. It's funny that you said that because I actually have for the last maybe two, three years um, have made an intentional, I've been very intentional about not having my phone on on the weekend. Yeah. So I usually disconnect from my phone, especially on Sundays. Um, If I have my phone on maybe up to maybe two, three o'clock on Saturday, just in case, like, so my mom could reach me, but you know, I have, I still have a landline so she can call me on that. Um, But outside of that, I disconnect from my phone every Saturday around four or five o'clock and I don't turn it back on or I don't tune back into it until Monday morning. Yeah. And I put my phone intentionally on do not disturb every day between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. Yeah, I love that. Julie. There is freedom in that. <laughs> I, there is freedom. And I, the way I like people to think about it is whether you're thinking about your mum, your children, your family, your colleagues. Yes. Is the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world have worked out the dopamine you hit you get every time that you check social, every time you check your email. You're uh-huh. getting a little reward all the time, all the time, all the time. Mark Zuckerberg's got billions of pounds to compete with your best friend or your child. So it's natural that you might be with your your child or your mum or whatever and you check your phone you're doing it subconsciously but when yeah. you're doing that tension is coming off your mum your child your friend exactly. your colleague so yeah. i would say mark zuckerberg's pockets are deeper than your friends and i don't know you might be hanging out with um uh jeff bezos i don't know this Julie. Don't <laughs> definitely know not <laughs> right now i'm just hanging out with you (laughs) yeah i'm definitely not in that bracket so (laughs) i think so um one thing i am reading is a a book about how to have difficult conversations because i messed up a bit of feedback recently i tried to deliver some feedback to someone it just went really badly okay um 
which I'll, I'll share the link. I'll share you. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but uh, that's a book I am enjoying. But, okay. but, 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 but less and more slowly. Yes, I love it. Thank you. What's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Yeah, most people think that I understand HR and I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't ever, I'm not a HR professional, Julie. Uh-huh. I, I'm supposed to be someone who can give the HR person better data to make better decisions. So that's a, that's a personal one. Uh-huh. Um, the biggest misconception that really is a red flag for me is sometimes people say, I'm a commercial HR person. Mm. And what I don't like about that is you can, I think you can look after your employees and be, the best way to be really commercial and really business-led is to look after your people. Yeah. That's why I wrote the Freedom to be Happy, the business case for happiness. Mm-hmm. It's financially good. It's financially better to look after your, um, uh, after your people. There's a, there's a really good piece of research by Alex Edmonds. It takes 20, it's on my podcast, um, Happiness and Humans. It takes 28 years of stock market data. On average, if you um, invested in companies that looked after their employees better than their competitors, your stock return would be about, I think, 28 to 3.5% better mm-hmm. per year over a 28-year period. So mm-hmm. it's not 3.8 over 28 years. It's like times 28 every year. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes people think that you've got like nice HR people that think it's about the people mm-hmm. and then you've got commercial HR people that will come in they'll think fire it's about people. the business mm-hmm. yeah 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 they're all the same thing it's like yeah I did the best best analogy you know I, I like a crap analogy Julie is this it's, it's that moment in the Lion King isn't it when Simba's t- talking to Mufasa about the circle of life uh-huh. it's the same it's the same in business. All of this stuff's connected. Yeah. Uh, happy employees yep. create happy customers, which happy means customers. they become more loyal. They spend yep. more money with the yep. company makes more profit. The only difference is whether people are talking about short term or long term. Yeah. Because in the short term, and this is why companies make crap decisions all the time. In the short term, you could fire 20% of your workforce, make more profit. And then the share, the share goes up because they go, oh, look, that company made more profit. Mm. They must be a good company. Let's invest more money in them. More investment comes in. Mm. In reality, what they've done is they've stunt their growth in five quarters time. Yeah. We're seeing this in the pandemic, Julie, where people have laid off staff that they're now trying to rehire. It's happening all the time. Yeah. The companies that kept their people where they could, um, have now, they're now rocketing yes. because, because they've, they haven't just made the short-term decision. Obviously, cash flow is cash flow. Some pe- people have had to be made redundant because companies couldn't afford to keep them on. But the companies that have been able to ride it out are now are now in a position to to really push forward. Yeah, and I think that that's really important to recognize, um, especially now that they're trying to rehire them because the experience was so bad. The people are like, nope, not coming back there. Don't want to work for you. Totally. So yeah, definitely um, totally. appreciate that. So thank you so much for sharing. You have survived your time in the sound booth, my friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks julie i've loved it this was a great conversation and i am wishing happiness in you and happiness index all the success i will continue to follow your journey and we'll we'll talk um off recording about how we can support each other manchester hopefully Hopefully. actually scrub that let's talk in barbados (laughs) come on come on over (laughs) 
virtual what is it what we were saying um virtual visa is it called virtual visa yes um the stay the digital the digital stay visa yes that's what i need i need a year in barbados (laughs) come on down come on come on over (laughs) thanks matt thanks for having me julie you're welcome thank you for joining us in the sound booth today i hope that you found this information from this episode useful you can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again in the next sound off.